Please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When you found your place, please stand for the reading of God's Word and remain standing for a time of prayer following. When the Pharisees he had silence that seduces, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the laws is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like, I love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophet demand on, on these two commands. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and thank you for everything you've given for us, everything you've done. I thank you for letting us all get here this week safely. I pray that you bring us here next week. I pray that as we enter the new year, you keep us humble and keep us focused on you and make a difference in this world, Lord. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for being here this morning. I know it definitely has been a crazy year, 2020, right? Are y'all glad to see it go? Are you glad it's gone? Me and you both. So we're just praying that the Lord gives us a a wonderful year. But you know, there was a lot of blessings and things that we can be thankful for in 2020. Um, You know, me personally, I have probably never spent more time with my family than I did in 2020. So that was certainly a blessing. And uh, I know God's got a wonderful year planned for us ahead of this. Um, You know, I just want to take a quick moment... um, just to thank Pastor Dennis and Marilyn. Um, you know, I, I almost feel wrong standing up here, you know, with him not here. And um, I just want to convey my appreciation to them. Um, Pastor Dennis lovingly mentored me for seven years and um, really helped prepare me for this time um, as, as a senior pastor at Pole Creek. And I am just so, so indebted and grateful to him and Marilyn. And I've already told him, anytime they come back, we're rolling out the red carpet. They're going to be treated like royalty. We're going to have him back to preach, and this will always be their home church. So um, I'm sad with you that uh, that era is over, but uh, he's close. We're going to keep him close, and I'm I'm just so thankful for him in Maryland. So I just wanted to share that with you guys before I started my sermon. But I want us to go into a series this year. Um, the first this month or the, this whole month really about who are we as a church who are we because I think we need to understand who we are before we can understand how to move forward and it's no secret that the world is different today than it was January of 2020 there are going to have to be different ways that we do things as a church in order to reach the world the world is not going to be as accepting to the older ways of evangelism, the older ways of outreach. People are not flocking to the churches anymore. The churches are having to go to the people. And we're having to go into the highways and the hedges, as the Bible says, and compel them to come in, to share with them the gospel. So we're going to have to be more creative than ever as a church to be able to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. God has placed us in Candler, North Carolina for a reason. Here at the head of Milk Sit Cove, there is a community of people that live within a very short distance of this church, thousands as a matter of fact, who live within a several mile radius of this church. And it is Pole Creek's duty and obligation and calling to reach these people. It needs to be our purpose and our goal and our number one 
thing that we pursue in everything that we do, what we spend our resources on, what we spend our time on, what we spend our energy on, has got to be to reach this community for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know what? I'm okay with us going to heaven and God saying, you know what? You guys did very well reaching Candler for Jesus. You could have done better in Africa, but you did very well in Candler. I can live with that, right? But how terrible would it be if one day we stand before God and he said, you know what? You had thousands of people within walking distance of your church. You could have rode a bicycle to their house from your church, and yet you never reached out to them. You never shared my gospel with them. That I could not live with. So let us be a church that is going to be focused on reaching our community. And as we reach our community, I promise you, we're going to reach our state, we're going to reach our nation, and we can reach the world. And you remember Paul, the Apostle Paul? He was one man. He was a man that he even said was not very attractive. He was not someone that you would have thought God would have called to do such a mighty work. But because of that one man, the Apostle Paul, and because his obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, do you realize that northern Africa, a large part of Europe and even the Middle East, was evangelized? Because he was faithful to the calling that God had set him to do. And that was just one man. Imagine what a church like Pole Creek could do in the grand scheme of winning souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we go through this series, I want us to look at some new statements that we're going to live by. Some statements that we are going to focus on and we're going to filter everything that we do through these statements. The first one that I want us to look at today is our purpose. Now if you have taken any business classes or whatever, Church is not a business, okay? So let, let's, let's be careful to clarify that. But there are some business principles that we can use in church life that can benefit us, that can help make us more effective, that can help make us more focused. And one is, is that any good business organization has a purpose statement. Now, Pole Creek has had a purpose statement. And a purpose statement is so beneficial because it tells people why we are here. Why is Pole Creek Baptist Church here at 96 Snow Hill Church Road? Why do we exist, right? So today, we're going to look through the lens of Scripture that was so well read in verses 34 through 40 of Matthew chapter 22 at the two greatest commands. Because let, let, let's be clear about this. When Jesus says something is the greatest and the best, you can be sure that it is. And when he gives us these two commands that he said literally the entire law and the prophets can hang on, I think we need to take them to be very important in our life. And I believe that the word of God is sufficient enough to give us everything we need to know how to conduct ourselves into the future. Now, before we move into the future, though, we need to consider the past, right? We need to consider where we've come from. And I want to say this, that Pole Creek Baptist Church has always had a reputation of its love for the community. It has always been a very community-oriented church, and that is something that we must protect and fight for and make sure that we remain a community church. Pole Creek has a long history, over 100 years, of standing on the Word of God and proclaiming the Bible as absolute truth. Over 100 years. Now, we can only hope that we do all those folks who are faithful to God's word and obedient to God's word over that 100 years, we do them justice today to look at the next 100 years, to say what they have built, the foundation that they have laid as faithful men and women of God, we're going to build on that foundation and we're going to continue to proclaim the gospel in this community. Now, it's going to look differently than what they may have done back in 1920 or in 1925 or in 1930. 
But it's going to be the same message that Jesus died and he rose again so that sinners can be saved. So in honoring the past, I want us to look a little bit closer to this last year. And I could not let this sermon go without Googling the number one quotes of 2020. All right, so get ready. 2020 is every Nicolas Cage movie without Nicolas Cage. (laughs) First time in history that we can save the human race by laying in front of the TV and doing nothing. Let's not mess this up. The only thing I gained in 2020 was weight. (laughs) And that is true. So far, 2020 is like looking both ways before you cross the street, then getting hit by an airplane. (laughs) Here's a good one. I'm not working out with a mask on is my new favorite excuse for not working out. (laughs) And last one, coronavirus has turned us all into dogs. We roam the house looking for food. We're told no if we get too close to strangers. And we get really excited about car rides and walks. (laughs) So now that 2020 is a thing of the past, and you can say, thank God, praise God for that, right? Now, what are we going to do in 2021? It's hard to believe that 2020 is already gone. It seems like almost yesterday, it was March, and we were having to uh, shut down our services and do live stream only. And then throughout the entire summer, we were meeting outside in the parking lot, right? Seems like only yesterday all that was happening, and now... It's all past and the whole year is gone. Some may sum up 2020 as the year of toilet paper shortages. Y'all ever deal with any of that? Remember, every time I would go to the store, I'd go to the toilet paper aisle first because I was just hoping they had a little bit left. Most of the time they didn't. Others may say it was the year of the infamous mask. You either love them or you hate them, but there's nobody that just kind of likes them or kind of hates them, right? Others may say it was the year of the online grocery shopping. Anybody do that? Anybody order your groceries online? Yeah, so... 21st century, right? Ordering groceries online. We can't get away from the fact that COVID-19 has drastically affected all of us. But no matter what perspective you've had about the virus, COVID-19 has changed our lives and time will only tell for how long. How long it'll change, if it'll ever fully go back to what we once knew it as, we don't know. But what does this mean for our church? And this is what I want to get at. Our purpose. What does this mean for our church? Should we sit idly by and wait for ideal conditions to return before we engage in ministry? No. No, we cannot wait. We cannot sit by. When things get difficult in ministry, that's when God's children have to become creative. And we have to find new ways to reach people. And I believe God has got enough minds in this church, people who desire for souls to be saved, where we are going to be able to come together and we're going to find new and innovative ways to reach our community. And what I want to encourage you to do today is, is my email address is ben at polecreek.org. Very simple. If you come up with any ideas about how to reach our community for the gospel... Okay, we're not looking at just solely humanitarian, but we want to reach our community for the gospel. Would you shoot me an email, share your ideas with me, because we want all the ideas we can get, because we want to hit the ground running this year to see as many souls saved as possible. And let's, let's be clear about this, because in the first century Christian church, their, their fears weren't coronavirus. It was being thrown into a den of lions. It was being um, stuck on a, a spear and made out of a human torch in in the king's courtyard. Those were the kind of things that our forefathers in the Christian faith had to endure. So if they were able to do ministry in those kind of conditions, I promise you 
that we are going to be able to do ministry in the time of the coronavirus and beyond. So one thing is for certain, there is still a world of lost souls in need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we agree on that? People need the Lord Jesus Christ. So how are we going to aggressively, and I'm talking aggressively, I'm not talking softly, I'm not talking easily, because remember, if we truly believe the Bible, then we believe that there is going to be a time not known by any man where the Lord Jesus is going to split the sky and the rapture is going to take place and his children are going to be taken home. And those that are left behind are going to be blinded and deceived into condemnation. If we really believe that people who die without Jesus go to hell, don't you think that we ought to take every second given to us, every moment given to us to win people to Jesus? Time is of the essence and time is running out. So how do we aggressively move forward in the gospel ministry in 2021? First, we need to know who we are. So Pole Creek's new purpose statement is this. And you can write this down so you remember it. We exist to glorify and love God, lead souls to Christ, and grow in the Holy Spirit. Now we had a purpose statement before that was very similar to that, that still conveyed the same meaning and the same purpose. But this is why we exist as a church to glorify and love God, to lead souls to Christ, and to grow in the Holy Spirit. And I felt that it was uh, of a necessity to integrate the Trinity into our purpose statement because we believe in a Trinitarian God, a God who is one God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And his nature and his character, we can never, ever forgo that. The Bible teaches the value of the Trinity and who the Trinity is. And our God is so great that we cannot comprehend his essence. So that is going to be our purpose statement. So what does that mean? That means if we exist to glorify and love God, to lead souls to Christ, and to grow in the Holy Spirit, we are not going to engage as a church in activities. And I'm talking about in terms of using church resources, church staff time, church um, teams and committees, things that are integrated with the church for any other purposes. Because we are going to live and fulfill our purpose and why we exist. And I believe if we can focus ourselves in on that, we're going to be able to achieve more for the purpose of the kingdom. So if it doesn't glorify and love God, if it doesn't lead souls to Christ, and if it doesn't cause Christians to grow in the Holy Spirit, then we need to consider not doing it because this is our purpose. So I want us to look at these two greatest commands. And I want us to find our purpose statement in these two greatest commands. Because we always, as a church, will establish and found everything we do in the scripture. This is a Bible-believing church. We are fully invested in the absolute 100% truth of God's word from Genesis to Revelation. And anything outside of that, we will not stand for. So beginning in verses 37 and 38 there of chapter 22, we're going to see where we are to glorify and love God. That first part of our purpose statement. So beginning in verse 37, let's read that again. He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. 
the greatest and most important command. I'm going to give you a little background story about what's happening here. See, Jesus, and it was common in that culture that people who were very knowledgeable, the religious elite, the very well-educated, they would go to the city squares and they would discuss deep truths, theological truths, philosophical truths. That's something that they would do. And there were a few different groups in Jerusalem at the time that held a lot of influence and a lot of power. One of those groups was the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were some folks who had some very heretical beliefs. They did not believe in the resurrection. They believed in a lot of spiritism and different things like that. So if you go home later today and and want to read even before that, you'll see where Jesus had an encounter with the Sadducees. Well, the Sadducees and the Pharisees hated each other. They were at each other's throats. Their doctrines conflicted. Well, the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. In other words, Jesus had been so... Uh, eloquent and his wisdom was so powerful that the Sadducees when they asked him a question he answered it so well that they had nothing left to say about it they just walked away and the Pharisees it, it captivated them and intrigued them so they thought to themselves well why don't we go ask him a question and see if he can do the same to us so they do verse 34 when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees they came together and one of them an expert in the law asked a question to test him teacher Which command in the law is the greatest? Now, that would have been a very hard question to answer because they were were speaking in literal terms. They were basically saying, Jesus, I want you to pick one command in all the law and I want you to tell us why that one is the most important, a specific law. Well, if you see, Jesus didn't necessarily do that. But Jesus was able to answer the question perfectly while still upholding to the entirety of the law. He said the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second is to love your neighbor. And then he said all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. In other words, every law that you can find in God's word will hang on one of those two commands. Either to love the Lord your God or to love your neighbor as yourself. He answered it absolutely perfectly. But he also did it in a way that simplified the entirety of the law down to two simple statements. Two simple statements, to love God and to love your neighbors. Now, as we move forward into 2021, that has got to be our reason for doing ministry. is because we love God and because we love our neighbor as ourself. The old, old school Presbyterian church from the 17th and 18th century had what, they know, what we know as the Westminster Catechism. And basically, it was a way of memorizing biblical truths and doctrines. Some people even teach their children catechisms today, which I would recommend. It's a very good way for children to memorize the, the core doctrines of God's word and what we believe as, uh, as Christians. But in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says this, that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So Christianity throughout the years has always understood that the greatest command, the greatest reason for living, the greatest reason for existing as a human being on planet earth is to glorify God. Scripture backs that up 100% that you are here. You know, you ever ask somebody, why why am I here? Why do I even exist? The Bible answers that question. Isn't it neat how the Bible answers all of life's most difficult questions? The reason you are here is to glorify and love God. That's why you're here today. That is why God allowed you to be conceived in the womb of your mother is so that you could glorify him and love him. And that's it. That's it. And let me tell you something. When you do that, there is joy in your life that you cannot explain because you are achieving the purpose 
for which you were created. You know, it's like anything. You just want to have fulfillment. You just want to know that you've accomplished something. Well, quit chasing everything the world has to offer and know that your fulfillment can only come through glorifying God and loving Him. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says this, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says this, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. There's the answer to why we should glorify God. Why? Because you have created all things. He is worthy to be glorified and to be praised. You know, this past year we have seen the happiness of Americans fade. We have seen people who are completely distraught, depression, anxiety, suicide, alcoholism, drug use, the other parts of the lockdowns that they don't like to talk about. Amen? And sometimes if we overlook those things, we start to forget that we still live in a hurting world. So Americans generally, and I think you would agree with this, have always placed their happiness in their way of life as it pertains to their wealth and their security. I think Americans overall, cultural Americans, Americans who have embraced the American dream and have embraced really what it means to live in an American society, instead of placing their joy and happiness in God, have placed their joy and happiness in their wealth and their security. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, no time in history has the church ever had to compete with vacations as much as it does today. You think about the 60s and the 70s. How many times would a family go on vacation a year probably? Maybe once, one week a year, maybe two weeks. Nowadays, what do you think? Four, five, six, seven, eight, I don't know, right? Wealth. And I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying that you know, we should shun the blessings that we have. But I think we've come to a place where Maybe we've forsaken loving God and we've begun to embrace our wealth and our security. And what COVID-19 has done is, is it's shown us how fragile our wealth and our security is. When you look at a large portion of this nation's wealth is in the stock market. And in a matter of days, the stock market could completely bottom out. And we could literally lose trillions of dollars in wealth in a matter of minutes. See how fragile it is? I don't know about you, but I am not willing to put my happiness in something that could literally collapse in a matter of seconds. I would much rather put my joy and my peace and my happiness in the eternal God who never fails, who never messes up, and who controls everything. Amen? Wouldn't that, isn't that what we should do? And I think that this year has brought that to our understanding as Americans, that America is not our hope, guys. The Constitution is not our hope. The Lord Jesus Christ is our hope. Nations rise and nations fall, but God will never, ever fade. His word will endure forever. Amen? So listen to this. Our purpose, when it is fulfilled, brings us joy, not happiness. Quit chasing temporary happiness when you can have permanent joy. And that goes back to the purpose for why we exist, to glorify 
and love God. The second part of our purpose statement as we move into 2021 is this, lead souls to Christ. And we find that in verse 39 of chapter 22, if you want to look there in verse 39. The Bible says there, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Very simple command. You know, as I was looking through the Ten Commandments, I noticed that six out of the Ten Commandments involve our interaction with other people. Six of the ten. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house, wife, male or female servants, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. I think how we treat our fellow man is very important to God. Of utmost importance. As a matter of fact, he said it's the second greatest commandment. To love your neighbor as yourself. So how can we fully love our neighbors? How can we fully love other people? What is the best way to show your love? Is it to give them a gift? Is it to be there for them when they need you? Or is it to make sure that they know who Jesus is? You can't love anybody more than when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to accept it well because nine times out of ten, somebody is not going to get saved the moment you tell them the gospel. But there is no greater ability or or way of showing love to someone than when you tell them that there is a God who sent his son to die for them and to save them. And you wonder sometimes, why don't we share Jesus more with those that we interact with every day? Why have we not told our family about Jesus and about their need for him and about his death, burial, and resurrection? Why have we not shared with more of our coworkers their need for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know what I think it is? I think it goes back to what I said about loving God is we love other things more than we love other people. We have in our understanding an unknown priority list that's in our heart that we may not even recognize is there, but other people don't come very high on our priority list. But when we look at the greatest commands that Jesus has given us to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, how well does your list line up with his? What is your one and two on that list? When is the last time your heart has broken for a lost person? When is the last time you have looked at someone and your heart has grieved because you knew they didn't know Jesus as their Savior? You know, the wonderful thing about Pole Creek is that we are such a mission-minded church. And today we support missionaries all over planet Earth. We even support a couple who's in a country that I can't even tell you right now because they're afraid of their safety, right? But they love people enough. They have three little girls, blonde-headed little girls. They took them to a very dangerous country so that people who have never heard about Jesus can hear about Jesus. Now, that's loving your neighbor. That's loving other people. That is self-sacrificial love. And I'm not saying we're all called to go to the mission field, right? But I am thankful that there are some people out there that say, I love my neighbor enough to where I am willing to uproot my family and move to a country that I can't even tell the name of because of the safety. I am so, so thankful for that. You know, neighbors, and and you guys can agree with me and you don't act self-righteous, okay? Neighbors are either the best thing ever or the worst. Can you agree with me? Has anybody ever had a bad neighbor? Let me see. Raise your hand. Go ahead. We're going to put this on record. Okay. Yeah. 
Anybody ever had a really, really good neighbor? Man, you can't beat a good neighbor. And I'll tell you right now, and actually one of our church members is one of my neighbors, so I better be nice, okay? <laughs> but I have the best neighbors ever. Tom Brandon lives behind me, right? And my neighbors on either side are wonderful. And I'll tell you, this, this one uh, neighbor that lives to the, if you're looking at my house to the left, they have some young kids stuff in too. And we just got a dog not too long ago for Charlotte's birthday. And his name's Buddy, and he likes to chew up everything he can get a hold of. And he's chewed up family heirlooms. He's, I mean, probably literally thousands of dollars worth of stuff this dog has destroyed in a matter of weeks. But anyways, we wake up in the morning, and we see slippers on our front porch. You know? This dog is going to our neighbors and stealing their slippers off their front porch. But you know what? Our neighbors never say anything about it. And you know they know it's our dog. They know it is. Thankfully, we've gotten a fence now, and it's all situated situated. But it is a lot to be said about good neighbors, right? And how we treat neighbors. Because you know what? We, we're, we so, we're so independent-minded, I think, and we've become more isolated as a culture where we just kind of want to be to ourselves and to our own family. And we don't really want to engage with our communities. And we don't want to really engage with people um, that live near us anymore. But God has put us in this world to be relational, That's why this isolation from this virus is so detrimental to so many people. Is because God did not create you to stay pinned up in your house for days and days and days on end with no human interaction. It's actually bad for your health. Did you know that? That that not having human interaction poorly affects your health. So when we think through that and we think through the challenges that so many of our senior citizens are facing right now in this church, many of whom can't come out because they're so compromised, how are we going to continue to do ministry to them, to continue to encourage them? And how many more people within earshot of this church are are in their homes afraid to come out and have no one to love them or to encourage them? That's why Pole Creek Baptist Church is here. And we've got to find a way to do that. And that is our purpose, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So what happens if someone dies without Jesus? And I think when we talk about loving our neighbors, this is the most important question that can be asked. What happens to someone if they die without Jesus Christ? Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 says this, And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, do you believe the Bible this morning? I hope you do. If you're at Pole Creek, I hope you believe the Bible because we stand on the Bible, amen? So if the Bible says those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life were thrown to the lake of fire, don't you think we ought to get busy? Don't you think that our number one focus should be winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ? If we love our neighbor as ourselves, I am so thankful that somebody told me about Jesus. I am so, so thankful that someone took the time to say, Ben, if you die in your sins, you're going to die and go to hell. But there's a Savior who paid it all for you so that you don't have to die in your sins. Man, I'm so thankful. And everyone in here, if you're saved, my, my buddy Matthew, he, he shared his testimony. And he brought his friend Mark with him this morning all the way from the great state of California. And listening to his testimony, Mark was instrumental in Matthew coming to know Jesus as his Savior. Aren't you glad, Matthew, that Mark told you about Jesus? Amen, amen. There's nothing better. And you know what? God can use you the same way. You can be the next Mark. You can be the next one who leads somebody to Jesus. And I pray that our church as a congregation focuses on that so much that it stirs things up a little bit in Candler. Amen? I pray for that so much. So the third part of our purpose statement is this, involving the third person of the Holy Trinity to grow in the Holy Spirit. 
And we see that in verses 34 through 36 and in verse 40. Let's look at verse 34 there. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Now let's drop to verse 40. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Growth in the Holy Spirit. We're going to see three different things here that Jesus did with these Pharisees. The first thing he did was he rebuked the hypocrites. He rebuked the hypocrites. Now, did you know that part of growing in your faith is that God has to sift and filter out the hypocritical parts of you? Did you know that everybody is a hypocrite? We've all been hypocritical. We've all acted in hypocritical ways. And you know, one thing that you hear people say, the reason they don't want to come to church is that there's a bunch of hypocrites. You know what you tell them? Say, man, you're right. You're looking at one of them. You know, we're all hypocrites because you know why? We're sinful. We have a sinful nature within us. And we tend to look better upon ourselves than we do on others. We tend to brag on ourselves internally and looking at others as though they're not, they don't have it all quite together. But in reality, we're struggling with the same sins they're struggling with. We've made the same bad choices they've made. And if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be in a lot worse shape than we're in. Hypocrites were rebuked. Verses 34 through 35, the Pharisees were the greatest of the hypocrites, right? They showed up in their beautiful clothing. They were the religious elite. Their paychecks came from the offerings of the people who came to the temple. They were the ones who oversaw the law and what was to be upheld and what was to be obeyed. They were the ones who enjoyed a very lavish lifestyle because of the hypocritical laws that they told people they had to live by. And here Jesus, just in a matter of a few sentences, completely rebukes these hypocrites. Did you know that growing in the Holy Spirit means that you're going to have to be rebuked? That God himself at times will rebuke you for your behavior? There's been times I've thought a thought about somebody or I've even said something to myself about somebody and immediately following that, the Holy Spirit says, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done that. I was rebuked. My hypocritical nature was being rebuked. As Pole Creek and our purpose and part of our purpose being growing in the Holy Spirit, I promise you that that's not a very fun part of the Christian walk and the growth in the Holy Spirit, but it is an essential part that there are times when we as sinful creatures have to be rebuked. The second thing we see here is that Jesus answered a question. Jesus answered their question. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And then he uses the next several verses to answer that question. Growing in the Holy Spirit means that you need to ask questions. It means that you need to dive into the word of God and you don't need to just take something for granted. Well, that was how I was raised and that's what we've always believed, so that's what I believe. No, don't do that. Ask why you believe it. Ask why you were raised that way. Ask why we do things the way we do. And in Pole Creek, listen, I've done this throughout my entire life. At Pole Creek, at my home church, when, when, when something would be going on, you know, why are we doing this? Well, what is the benefit of this? And you know what? If you were in a church that stands on the Bible... Everything that church does ought to be found in the scripture. You know, I even think about when we do the Lord's Supper, you know, and how biblical the Lord's Supper is and how the, the, the bread and the juice and how it's given out and how we even give you a time to repent of your sins before you partake of it because of Paul's command about not taking it because if you take it in the wrong heart that it'll bring damnation upon yourself. There's just so many different things, even our deacons and deacon ministry and how we operate in deacon ministry, just the beauty of the, the biblical um, understanding that this church has and why we do what we do. But don't quit 
asking questions. And I promise you, you ask the questions, the answers are out there. The answers are found in the Word of God. And that's what we have to do is we have to be a church that says when the world has questions, we ought to know the Bible enough to where we can answer the world from Scripture. All the suffering that's going on in this world today, all the hopelessness, all the sadness, all the sin, it can all be answered. The whys, how can I fix it? What can I do to get out of this? All of that can be answered right here in God's word. You can literally view the entire world through scripture and it will answer every single one of the hardest questions. There is no religious faith tradition that can answer all of life's most difficult questions better than Bible-believing Christianity. Not a one of them. Not a one of them. So Jesus answered questions. The hypocrites were rebuked. The questions were answered. And the authority was the word of God. Did you hear what he said in verse 40? All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Jesus did not just come up with something new right then. Okay? Because in most of your Bibles, you're going to know, you're going to notice in verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart. It was probably going to be a little bit bolder in some of your Bibles than the rest of the text. You go on down, love your neighbor as yourself. It's probably going to be a little bit bolder. You know why? It's found in the books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It's, it's, it's part of God's word that has infinite authority, that has all power. And Jesus is not coming up with something new there. He's saying throughout all time, throughout all scripture, these have been the two greatest commands, nothing has changed here. And he goes back and he quotes these two Old Testament verses because even Jesus, the creator and the God of the universe, his authority was found in the word of God because he's the one that spoke it. So for us as a church, everything we do, this has got to be our authority. This is how we grow in the Holy Spirit. This is how we answer life's most difficult questions. When someone from the world comes in who has, who's an atheist, who, who has no idea of a Christian background, did you know that you can use the Word of God and that it can answer their questions? And if they'll listen, it'll save their soul. God's Word is sufficient. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says this, Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. Babies need milk. Why? Helps them grow, right? The milk helps babies grow. In the same way, Peter here is referencing our salvation, our relationship with Jesus, that the word is like milk to us and it allows us to grow. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Although by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. And as we think about our growth, we need to strive to be mature believers. I think one of the, most, the biggest challenges probably in church life today is that we have churches full of immature baby Christians. People who truly came to know Jesus, but they've never dove into the word of God. They've never spent time growing in their faith. And what happens is when you get a bunch of babies together, they start to cry, they start to whine, they start to take each other's toys, right? We know all about this. I live in this every single day, right? So you leave a house full of babies, you don't want to come to another house full of babies, right? And I act like a baby sometimes myself too. Hannah, Hannah will tell you that, right? Yeah. But so when we think through that, we have to understand that it's okay to be on milk when you're a baby, but when you start to grow up, you got to quit drinking the milk and you got to start eating the deep stuff and the hard stuff. You know, 
wouldn't you think it was a little bit odd if you saw a seven or eight-year-old nursing on its mother? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Y'all did not respond like I thought you would there. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for a laugh, but I think y'all thought I was serious. <laughs> It'd be a little weird, right? Can I say, not unless it's just me. That would be really weird to see a seven-year-old nursing, right? It's just not natural. So when we look at believers, you've been saved two, three, four, five years. It's time to start growing up in the faith. And again, we look back at our church's purpose to grow in the Holy Spirit. So when we look at these three parts of our purpose statement, love God, right? Love him and glorify him. And then also lead others to Christ. And then we say to grow in the Holy Spirit. When you encompass those three ideas of our purpose as a church, it is going to allow us to go into 2021 with energy and with a direction. Now, the next few weeks, we're going to talk about our mission statement. We're going to talk about our core values, and we're going to talk about our vision. And what our vision is, is where do we see ourselves in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years? And what we're going to do is we're going to begin to set things in place so that we can achieve the goals that we set out as a church and as a congregation. And what I hope and pray is that when we're able to look back many years from now, just like Pastor Dennis in Maryland did, that we can look back and say, wow, look at the souls that were saved because some people at Pole Creek got serious about the things of God. And that's what I pray for about our church. Let's pray.